What is going on, everyone, and welcome back to the 90 and 60 Plus podcast. This week, it's uh, me, myself, Christian, Aldo, and Saul, all remote this week. Aldo, how you doing, man? How's the week been treating you? Hey, guys. Yeah, it's been good. Um, a lot of snow over here in the mountains. Uh, it's been really cold. I think it was like negative five this morning, so really, really cold. But other than that, it's, you know, it's nice to be alive, nice to be here. How about y'all? Yeah, bro, what's up with all that snow, man? This has been the coldest and one of the more, I don't even know, <laughs> years or winters where we had the most amount of snow in a while. It's kind of crazy, but I guess it's better for the summer, right? I mean, less fires and less droughts and whatnot, but yeah, I'm kind of getting annoyed by it, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I'm good. Uh, You know, school's full on in session, work's going well. But um, yeah, just happy to be back on the pod this week and talk footy with the boys. But that's me. Saul, what about you, man? How you doing? Yo, yeah, you know, same boat as all, though, dude. Just, you know, another week. Happy to be talking footy, you know. Um, Yeah, bro, just excited. There's, like, so much games being played, you know. It seems like there's a footy on every day. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, dude, some teams are playing every three days. Like, you know, the teams that are still in most of the competitions, whether it's cup and then... Not even to mention we got Champions League and Europa League coming back pretty soon. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy, crazy time for footy. But even crazier than all that, y'all, the transfer window has just slammed shut. Well, maybe not here in the States, but for most part of the world, you know, the Europe's and the big five leagues and whatnot, the transfer window is officially closed. And man, uh, I just got to say myself, boys, what a what a transfer window this was. In my opinion, the best uh, winter transfer window that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Uh, I want to get y'all's initial reactions to how crazy this window was. We're going to dive into transfers here in a little bit, but what are you guys' initial reactions? Do you guys think this is the craziest winter window we've ever seen? Um, I don't know. I can't really say because I really only started paying real attention to the transfer window like two, three years ago, so I can't say. So, I mean, yeah, I guess I agree with you. Best transfer window I've seen. Winter transfer window, that is. I mean, I just got to say, man. God damn it's just been move after move after move you know headline after headline uh this january so man they say january is the longest month of the year but i don't know man it was worth the wait for this last day yeah bro hot off the heels of a honestly what most people consider to the best world cup ever and we have probably arguably the best winter window ever and we're going to head full on into the rest of the season. Hopefully it lives up to the expectations and to the hype that's been building up around, you know, these other factors that are all culminating. But nah, man, let's just dig, dive right into it. Let's talk about some of the biggest transfers that we've seen this uh, this past month. I mean, I, I think I sh- I'll start with mine. I think the one that surprised me the most, I shared with you all in the group chat. I literally opened my phone, opened up Instagram on my break in the break room. And my jaw hit the floor when I saw this, bro. And I'm talking about Jaw Cancelo moving from Man City to Bayern Munich. Now, I know there's probably and most likely a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that contributed to this, but I was not expecting this. I mean, I told this to you all earlier. This is like one of those transfers you see on FIFA when you simulate career mode. It's just out of the blue. No one expected it. But, man, <laughs> it's initially a loan with, a, I think, $70 million or euro buy option. That's crazy, man, but... Yeah, I mean, if we y'all want to talk about that, or if y'all want to talk about other transfers, or you just want, guys want to start with the craziest ones that you think you've witnessed. I mean, I know there's definitely one I really want to talk about, but we'll save it for the end. 
Um, but no, yeah, that Cancelo move, even though it's a loan, you know, it's it's really surprising because it's not something you would have imagined a, t- a Pep team to do, you know, at the middle of the season. So, yeah, definitely came out of nowhere, out of the blue. But a lot of the transfers came out of the blue. For for me, there was a big surprise for uh, for Kaylor Navas going to Forest, Nottingham Forest. So that was a big one. I don't know. I don't really. I think Joe Cancelo is surprising, as you said, Christian. But I mean, Pep has always said that if a player isn't happy, he'll let them leave, and I think that's what happened. Because I read afterwards a report that said that um, that said that he was unhappy at at what's I was called that city. Apparently, he had a training ground bust up. Well, not bust. I don't know what you call it, but he just had a heated argument with. Uh, with Pep after he learned he was not in the starting 11. So, apparently that's what that is. And I mean, I'm not saying his time was counted, but I mean, Ake has been starting at left back more consistently, and then they got Rico Lewis and Kyle Walker at right back. So, I mean, and, I mean in some sort of way, the writing is on the wall. But to me, I wouldn't really say it was a transfer that stood out. I think it was just Chelsea. All the money they spent really surprised me. I mean, well, I think they spent over, what is it, $600 million this transfer window? And supposedly they're going to have another big summer transfer window. So that's what surprises me. Just like, I can't believe. Like, where's financial fair play in all of this, dude? Like $600 million I think they spent. It's just, that's just crazy. Yeah, that, that FFP went out the window for sure. Yeah, bro, like, just like, what, <laughs> what's going on? Like, does it even exist anymore, as they say? It's just, just like, what's going on? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's unheard of for any team in winter to spend $100 million on one player. But Chelsea, they did it on two, bro. And I don't know. I'm pretty surprised that at the end, Fernandez did get over the line. Um, bro, that's crazy. First of all, you guys mentioned Chelsea. Bro, I, I think Todd Bowley, I said this a couple weeks ago, but Todd Bowley, he's slowly ruining football. And I think that this winter window and the way he's just taking care of this club right now and just spending money willy-nilly. And, bro, the, the lengths of these contracts, too, are insane. You know, you're talking upwards of six or seven years. But, yeah, Chelsea in general, they got, you know, Fernandez, Mudrik. Did we, I, although you mentioned this earlier, and I completely forgot about it. But, yeah, they bought Nkunku, too. That's that's a done deal. He's going to come in the summer. Um, yeah, dude. And this is all... Joe Felix on loan for $11 million. That's crazy. And all the players they bought in the summer, the previous summer. Bro, it's a whole ass. They got like an A, B, and C team they can challenge for the Premier League, in my opinion. Well, speaking of the Premier League, it does seem that uh, he's building a team to win. Like, he spent $600 million so far. It's supposed to be they're due for another big summer. So, I mean, you guys think this puts... And we talked about it before, but you think this puts even more pressure on Grand Potter, like, you guys think he's on the hot seat now? Because, I mean, they have not been in good form. Or are you guys still believe he'll st- stick tr- true to his word? And, you know, maybe if they don't qualify for Champions League or something, he'll still stay. Or do you guys think this is, uh, like, he has to perform? Because, I mean, who they who they bring in? They brought in Enzo Fernandez, Mudrick, are the two biggest ones that they wanted, and Benoit. Uh, I can't pronounce it. French center back. Yeah, they brought in Noni Madueke. Madueke. He's a winger. 35 million, I think. 
Malagusto bit. He went back. He's going to be on loan for uh, the rest of the season at, who is it, Olympic Leon. And then they bought a couple other players. And it's just like, like, is this, like, he has to qualify, in my opinion. If he doesn't qualify for Europe, I think he's gone, in my opinion. I don't know what y'all think. Bro, I think regardless yeah. of what happens, uh, I'm not going to blame Potter. I think he's more so a victim in all of this than anything else because he was basically given the cards and the keys to a kingdom that he never asked for. And this squad isn't his, let's be honest. This squad is Bowley's, Todd Bowley's. And if he doesn't succeed, I don't think it's any indication of what kind of a class manager he is. I think it's just uh, poor planning, poor timing, all these metrics, but yeah, if he doesn't succeed, I I all see him more as a victim than a failure. Yeah. So you think he'll be on the hot seat or no? I mean, I mean, he's got I think to. He'll be in the, yeah, I think he'll be more in the hot seat uh, from the fans' perspective. But it really depends, you know, what the you know, Bowley and the board decide to do. Bro, because I mean, you can't tell me this guy just spent what is it, six hundred eleven million. To not make it a Europe, like you can't tell me he'll be satisfied spending this amount of money not to make it a Europe. No, he's probably not going to be satisfied. But I mean, there's a reason why this is all is happening, you know, behind closed doors. I'm sure Potter has had a conversation with him. I don't think Bolly would just do it willy nilly. Um, but at the same time, I kind of do. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to tell sometimes. But there, there has to be some sort of communication there where you know, certain things are being talked about and saying, yeah, like, I can do this with this player, I can do this with that player, I just need to get, like, I need to get these players. You know, we don't know, we don't know, but, I mean, yeah. Yeah. To to answer your question, yeah, I would see him in the hot seat if he's not performing. Yeah, Christian, I was going to say, you mentioned it earlier, but you said this seems more like Tom Bowley's team than Graham Potter's team, so do you think Graham Potter has even any say in any of the transfers, or do you think it's just Todd Bowley saying, I want this player, and pretty much Graham Potter has to be like, yeah, okay, bring him. Or do you think Graham Potter actually is like, uh, actually, I think this player would be better? No, I think it's the opposite. I think Potter is like, I want this player, and Bowley's replies, no, this player is way better. And honestly, Todd Bowley, most of his transfers... I mean, bro, let's, let's look at all his transfers. Come on, Mudrick, he really only signed him because Arsenal wanted him and United wanted him. And he was like, no, nah, you guys aren't having him. I'm having him. Fernandez, they, I mean, let's be honest, his PR after the World Cup just skyrocketed and his value skyrocketed. So he wanted him. He's basically like a, like the crown jewel, you know? And he, he swooped him right up. Uh, I already forgot most of the transfers, but most of them are squad players. Yeah, most of them are squad players. Yeah. I mean, most of them are squad players, let's be honest. I mean, I think with the exception of Mudrik and Fernandez, they expect them to just be squad rotation players and add depth and i think all that is with the goal to yeah at least qualify for europe because you know they're saying oh we have all this depth we're still in the champions league so we can you know basically feel two different teams for the premier league and for the champions league and actually that's interesting because you said that he's got to make european football now and one route to do that is to win the champions league uh pretty unlikely at this point but Maybe it's an easier route than climbing, what is it, five positions up the Premier League table. But, mm-hmm. no, I think it's, uh, I think Potter has very little say. On, then that's all a long-winded answer. But, yeah, my answer is I think it's, Potter has very little say in transfers. 
Yeah, because Chelsea are currently in 10th. Sitting at 29 points. Tottenham are 5th, 36, but obviously they're going to try to get Champions League. And United's in 4th with 39 points, so they're 10 points behind. That's, that's a big margin to catch up. But also, I mean, we saw this with Nottingham, too. Remember they brought in, like, 20-something players? And it's taking them like a little more than half a season to figure it out. You guys think that's going to happen here? That it's going to take them a while for all these players to mesh and like get their chemistry right? Because I mean, we see with Nottingham. I mean, they struggled for like half a season trying to figure out who worked where and whatnot. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, there's there's some there's a Chelsea right now is in a developmental stage, not only because you know new owners, new management. So different philosophy as in a whole. So they they just entered a whole new development stage, and yeah, it's gonna take some time. So that's why I'm saying that I don't think, uh, like on my perspective, I don't think Potter's gonna be in that hot seat if he doesn't perform because there has to be that acknowledgement that they're under development again. For yeah, some fans, with- fans are gonna be criticizing him right away because you know. They want quick results, but yeah. it, I mean, patience. You also got to think about it. He's it was my mistake. He hasn't spent six hundred million in the tra- winter transfer. He's spent three hundred thirty, like three hundred thirty million in the tra- in the winter transfer window. He spent six hundred million since he's got into Chelsea. It's like, but he's not. I'm pretty sure he's not wasting that much money to not make it to Europe at least. So it's like that's how I see it. I mean, speaking of Chelsea, they also did sell Jorginho to Arsenal for around $12 million. I mean, what do you guys think of that transfer? I think that's indicative that Arsenal is putting all of their cards solely in the Premier League this season. Because let's be honest, do they need Jorginho at this age? Probably not. I mean, there was rumors of them going out for Declan Rice in the summer. They're not going to get him in winter at all. But no, I think that's the perfect signing you make if you're Arteta that you want to secure the title this season. And, you know, I think Arsenal's biggest weakness is how shallow their depth is in midfield because we all know how stacked they are in defense and offense. But in midfield, they're a bit shallow. And, you know, God forbid something happens to a Partey or a Shaka, uh, there's not really anyone that, to to slot right in. And in comes Jorginho, and he's the perfect player. So much experience, so much experience in winning trophies, not not just for Chelsea, but for uh, Italy in the national team so I think it's the perfect signing that Arteta wants to make if he wants to really push for that Premier League title you know and then you had that on top of Pep selling um, or not selling I guess loaning out Cancelo bro Pep was not lying <laughs> when he said he he doesn't care about winning the Premier League this season and I think uh, Arsenal just sees the opportunity and yeah I, it, I, it's I don't know it's going to be very hard to see them not winning the Premier League after this I guess my last question about um about Chelsea is, you guys think they're ruining the market? You guys think they pretty much made the market to a place they'll never recover? Because, I mean, 80, what was it, almost 100 million? 100 million if, you know, all the, what's it called, the add-ons are not from Nutrick, and then 121 million for Enzo, and then, you know, just just pretty much the overall fact he spent 600 million since he's back. You guys think he's ruined the market to a point where it's like there's no return. It's pretty much because, I mean, even nowadays we're seeing young players like Endrick, you know, $60 million to 
Real Madrid. It's like, well, I think we're getting to a point, like I said it, I think, a couple of weeks ago, I said, these teams are pretty much going to have to snatch, start snatching these players like when they're young. But now it seems like even young players are going no less than like 10 million, young promising players, you know. Of course, there's still like those hidden gems, but it seems like those young players are like still going 10, 15 million, the promising ones, and you know, the really good ones, you know, Vinicius cost, I think, 40, Andrick 60, you know, Rodrigo, he cost, I want to say, at least 30, but, you know, it just, it seems like the transfer market is just ruined completely. Yeah, Americans have no business in football. Look what they did, just because inflation's out the roof in America, does that mean you have to flux that into the Premier League? The you know, it's crazy. Um, I think it's like half of the teams, not half of the teams, but a good chunk of the teams in the Prem have American owners. So uh, like and, where all these absurd transfers are coming from, man. True. True. Now, dude, I despise yeah. teams like this. I, I, I really despise Chelsea right now. I really despise Bayern as well just because they're so rich and they're so wealthy they can buy literally anyone they want when... I think there's so much more value to be had in, you know, making smart recruitments, getting maybe a free deal here or there, or paying a cup price fee for a promising player and developing that player yourself. I don't know. I just, this is not the way football was meant to be, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you mentioned it there. I think that's the future right there is going to be, um, these clubs, I think, are going to have to start depending on their on their academies a lot, much uh, much more. You know, maybe not the Premier League, because Premier League, is loaded, but you know, it's like maybe these other clubs that aren't as rich, you know, they're gonna have to start like just heavily depending on their academies because these prices are ridiculous. All right, before we go, I guess jump off the Premier League to and more transfers around Europe. Although you, I know you're, I know you're dying to mention one. I, you mentioned it earlier. I imagine it's the United one. Oh no, um, I was gonna talk about that Enzo Fernandez deal. Ah. Uh, you don't, like talk about, you don't want to talk about Sabitzer then? Nah, United's January was, you know, low-key, under the radar. I mean, it was just two loan acquisitions uh, with Weckhurst and Sabitzer. Do you think Sabitzer's uh, a good replacement for Erickson? Because I don't really see him in, you know, playing that Erickson role in, like, the midfield too with Casemiro. Oh, maybe, but I don't know. I think I actually think he's going to thrive there. I can be completely wrong, but I think he's going to thrive at United. Yeah, it's 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 hard to tell, you know, because Sabitzer, he was doing really well at Leipzig, and then he went to Bayern, and he hasn't really done anything there. So he's played, I think, seven different roles at one. He's been, while he's been at Bayern, that's insane. You talk about ut- yeah. a utility man. Yeah, so most definitely, but. I mean, yeah, I mean, the reason we got him was because Erickson's out for about three months or so, which really sucks. Um, but I think he's going to do, you know, I think he's going to do well. He has Casemiro. He has Bruno. Um, I think he's going to do well, if I'm being honest. Yeah, United's one of those teams that they're literally competing every three days up until the end of February. So, yeah, you just add depth, especially when players like Erickson are out for a while, and I think it's going to bode really well. Yeah. But we'll see what happens in the summer. I think in the summer there's going to be, obviously, much more movements, better movements. But, yeah, for January, it was just low-key for United. Yo, I forgot. I want to mention this really quick. Pedro Porro, uh, I think uh, right wing back? Or is he yeah. left wing back? Oh, right yeah. Back. Or- 
Yeah, so he moved to Spurs. I mean, dude, that's totally a Conte signing right there because we all know how ass, for lack of a better term, um, Fernand, not Fernandez, Emerson Royale and uh, Jed Spencer. So, yeah, that's definitely a Conte signing right there. And Sporting, they got Hector Bellerin in return. So I think it's a good move for all parties. I mean, then, I mean, if we're still on prime, I was going to say Weston McKinney to Leeds. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah that, that one makes no sense to me. The what? other option was that one guy. Who's that other guy? Um, midfielder for Morocco. He was outstanding. I don't know how to pronounce his name. It was like Asadine. No, it was the other guy, the younger one, Asadine. I don't know how you pronounce it, but. Yeah, I think it was he was the other option. I think he would have fit Leeds much more, but I, I just don't get this Weston McKinney one, honestly. America I think FC. That guy, yeah, dude, he's like someone else said they're Leeds United States. Yeah. Or Ted Lasso 2.0. Yeah. I mean, dude, a midfield three of uh, Adams, McKinney, and Roca, that sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, but they're all kind of like Weston McKinney's like a workhorse, Ted Adams more defensive. And so was Roca, so it's like, where's your creator in there? Well, I think uh, I think what Leeds really wanted from the signing is more goals for midfield because they really struggle in that department. And McKinney, we all know how dangerous he is in set pieces, especially in the aerial duels. So I think that's what they're kind of banking on. But, yeah, he's not like, yeah, you know, a playmaker or a line splitter or anything like that. But I don't know. We'll see. He's, he's never really played in a in a top league. I mean, he played for Juventus, which is – it's such a big transition – Going from a team that dominates possession, maybe not so much this season, but to a team that's you know pretty much going to try and scave off relegation this season. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, it for my money, this could be the transfer that really fails the most. But I mean, if it goes well, then I don't know what to say. Jesse Marsh is a genius, I guess. I mean, since we're talking about one, I'm going to talk about a bit another failed one. I mean, we're talking about how inflated market was. I mean, Moises Caicedo. Midfielder for Brian, it was said Arsenal bid up to seventy million, and but it got rejected. But that's, bro, the market is just ruined. Like seventy million for Caicedo, Caicedo, bro, that's crazy. See, I don't think it's ruined. I think just teams, dude. Let's be honest. That's the premium price you're gonna pay for a player on deadline day. Is he worth that much? No. But credit to Arsenal for. I don't know if Arsenal said no to that. Offer? Or, no, it was no. Uh, they, they offered rejected, it, right? They, yeah, they got rejected. But supposedly, I think they wanted eighty million to let him go here. But if he keeps on playing the way he is, they could probably fetch close to a hundred million in the summer. It's just crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're talking about. If you got nothing to say, I wanted to say. Um, I want to move to La Liga real quick about uh, Amrabat. He was. Supposedly linked with Barca that might have gone, but ended up not happening. Uh, supposedly he was pushing really hard to make that move, and he was really disappointed when it didn't happen because supposedly he had talked to the Fiorentina president who had told him that uh, he would let him leave on loan with a option to buy, and that's what Barca came with, and he didn't let him leave. So Amrabat was supposedly really upset over that, and yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, I would have liked to see him at Barca. He could be a potential Busquets replacement. But, uh, I mean, it didn't make sense for Fiorentina because they're fighting for Europe positions. So, I mean, staying on Barca, Julian Araujo, I mean, 
Mexican right back plays for the Galaxy. Supposedly, is weird. Is really weird what went on in that transfer. They supposedly agreed to a loan, and then supposedly two, three hours before transfer window closed, they changed it to a permanent deal. And I guess what delayed everything was the MLS giving the okay, which since people are conspiring, saying that it's because he's Mexican. They didn't push the deal through, and they sabotaged it on purpose. But then the day, who really knows besides the MLS? Not just—I don't think it's because he's Mexican, because he's you know really Mexican American. But I think it's because he chose Mexico over the U.S. I think that's why they're trying to screw him over. But no, dude, I, I yeah. talked—we talked about this before we started recording. I—if this goes well, it can be a great signing for you know both Barcelona and Mexico. Uh, yeah, Araujo, he's LA Galaxy's most creative player, if you look at the statistics. Not a whole lot of, you know, goals and assist output, but, you know, key passes and passes into the final third. He's always up there for those metrics, so really exciting. Kind of Danny Alves-esque in the way he just, you know, hugs that sideline and bombs up and down that wing and, you know, just creates a bunch of chances. So I'm really excited for that if it goes through, obviously. But, yeah, there's that. Yeah. And then while we're on La Liga, Atletico, they had some weird winter moves. They signed, who was the Spurs right back? Matt Doherty. Bro, what the hell? <laughs> you got mm-hmm. World Cup winner Molina. <laughs> why, 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 why do you need, Mol- need Doherty? <laughs> I think they're just looking for depth, which is why I think they went with Doherty. I mean, they want Jonathan Kloss from is it Marseille, I think. It's a French team, but they got rejected. But yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, speaking on the La Liga, I want to go back to Barcelona quick. I think, I think there is a conspiracy by the president of La Liga, Javier Tebas, to screw over Barca because it said that Barca, you know, for the longest, um, throughout the whole transfer, winter transfer window, they were told they had no margins, they couldn't sign anyone. And then, you know, I think it was yesterday they were informed by La Liga that they had a $10 million um, $10 million margin to either bring the player on loan or transfer, so they got screwed, you know, it's like for the whole transfer window, it's like, no, 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 and then it's like, last minute, they're like, alright, you have this much, it's just, I think there's a, I mean, we all know how we have as a president, he's a Madrid fan, but bro, to see, uh, see this guy, I think, at this point, has to be considered sabotage, what he's doing at Barca, because, I mean, He's just screwing them over, honestly. He told them he told them they couldn't register Gabby's contract. They went to the court, and then the court ruled they could register Gabby's contract to first team. And then, yeah, bro, it just... And then, like, now... Dude, he's just screwing over his teams. I just feel he doesn't like Barca because he said he's going to go back to court and fight in court that he's not allowed to uh, be registered for the first team. And if he wins, which is a possibility, then uh, it says Gabby's... It said that Gabby's contract will be canceled and that he'll technically be a free agent this in the summer. So he could potentially be losing one of our brightest stars if Tavos gets his way. I don't think so, because if he becomes a free agent, can't he just re-sign for Barca? Yeah, but it's like, dude, there's that worry, you know? It's like, he's a free agent, you know? It's like, he, I know he loves Barca, but, you know, Liverpool have been interested in him for a while. It's like, I don't know why... Dude, he's one of the brightest players to come on a free. It's like I don't know why any why no teams wouldn't be jumping on that. Honestly, it's like I'm pretty sure United City. I'm pretty sure every team would jump on that. But oh, he's free. Let's make him an offer. Let's see what happens. I mean, you I think know? that's true. But I mean, if 
it's like, bro, like, it's, I don't know, like, Liverpool or, let's say, City or some team comes along and offers him, like, I don't know, like, $8 million a season, bro, and Barca can only offer, like, let's say, 4 or 5 It's like, it'll make him doubt it. Because it's just like, damn, bro. I guess players are built different now. But, I mean, he loves Barca. He's made that clear, so. Yeah. Who knows? No. Because, I mean, I remember when the... Well, I mean, I don't really remember because I was probably, like, four. But I remember, uh, I remember hearing a story about Del Piero when Juventus got relegated. And, and yeah, like, everyone thought, like, that he was going to leave, he was going to sign. Like, even Sir Alex tried to sign him for United. He was like, nah, I ain't going. Uh, Juventus my team. And he stayed with them, bro. Freaking relegated and everything. So I guess and some players are just different now. Nah, bro. They gave him the number six shirt. He's staying. Well, I mean, if, if Devos gets his way, bro, then he's not even a first-team player anymore. He gets relegated back to the B team, I think. They might even take his jersey away and make him wear the 30 again, but I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I don't know, know enough. I'll leave that It's not that bit. I, I do know. know enough to strongly dislike Devos. Yeah, I wouldn't be too worried. I'm not too worried, honestly. Yo, well, speaking of La Liga, and I'm only doing this for a segue, Raul Betis, they signed a Yosi Perez, one-ass, trash-ass player. <laughs> but I guess uh, Betis, they, they lost one winger, and we mentioned this last week, but yeah, now it's official. Diego Linus, back in Mexico, Tigres. How do we feel about that? You know it's only a loan, right? It's only a loan? Yeah, he goes oh, back Oh, there's to... hope. There's hope. He goes back. I mean, I've been reading stories about him. Supposedly, he has an attitude problem. That supposedly, like Papa and like the training staff would like tell him he needs to train. He'd be like, "Oh, I'm on a call." And like, I don't know. I guess going to Europe really inflated his ego, and it looks like we got another chat on our hands, sadly. Because I mean, it was teams interested in him, but he was demanding to be paid two million a year. I think we mentioned that the time. So it just it just looks like. It all went to his head, sadly, and I don't know. It seems like a lost cause to me. Yeah, I've always heard that he's got an attitude problem. Yo, uh, one other cost. One other transfer that I wanted to mention because I thought this was insane, and honestly, it looks like it might not happen anymore. But we talked about all of Chelsea signings. They obviously got to offload some players to make up for it. One was supposed to be Hakim Ziyech to PSG, which I guess I understand because you know the Morocco connection with Hakimi and I guess more depth to that to the wingers area but still turns out it might not happen uh same situation with Araujo and uh Barca it was submitted pretty late and the paperwork was submitted late so there that might be rescinded but there was that which I thought was pretty weird and then there's another move that I thought Loki went under the radar oh PSV they signed uh Thorgan Hazard <laughs> which is I th- I completely forgot he was at Dortmund, dude. And Dortmund have a lot of depth now, especially in the wing areas. And PSV, they lost Kakpo and that other player that went to Chelsea. I forget his name. Who was it? What was his name? Noni Madueke. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Good for PSV, bro. Good for PSV. You were just speaking about seeing. You know what's funny about that one? Everyone has their theories, but I think Fabrizio Romano or someone else reliable reported they said that they that Chelsea sent the wrong paperwork three times and that's why the transfer fell i mean they're gonna appeal it obviously psg's gonna appeal it to get C- try and get c but yeah it doesn't look good for that i don't think i think he's gonna have to stay at chelsea but yeah supposedly chelsea sent the wrong paperwork three times and 
everyone has a theory that that they feel like every like everyone except maybe the receptionist was over in Portugal trying to push that Enzo Fernandez deal through, and then they only left like one person behind that didn't know what they were doing, so they screwed up the pre for three times. Dude, that's crazy. I wonder what the um, what the like punishment is if if a team is found to be intentionally sabotaging a transfer negotiation. I don't think Chelsea was sabotaging it. I just think they left someone behind that didn't know what they were doing. Damn, that's before, crazy. Yeah, I was going to ask you, one of the few times Romano may have gotten it wrong. I was going to ask you, do y'all know what the most expensive transfer in uh, La Liga was? No? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was... Romano was $80 million. No, but in La Liga, this this transfer window, I'm saying. Oh, this transfer? No. It was... Cesar Montes to Espanol for eight million. Nice. Go. He's been on the up, no? Cesar Montes. I think he's almost solidified himself as a starter. Yeah, he's been pretty well. They lost this past week, but I mean, that's his only hiccup, I guess. All right, y'all got any other transfers y'all want to talk about real quick? Nah, I mean we covered covered the big ones. Uh, I didn't know about the Thorian Hazard one, so that one's pretty cool. But, yeah, his brother should follow him. I don't know. Isn't Alan Asari after them? Oh, I don't know. Hazard, Change if you're listening, Ed and Hazard, please come to Rapids. <laughs> you think he still has enough in the tank to tear it up in that Nah, I think it'd be like a Florian Torban situation in Mexico. <laughs> oh, he went to Udinese. Y'all saw that? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess we'll just dive right into our regular content then as the uh, transfer window is officially shut. More moves can be made, obviously, because, you know, we can see some of these moves be made official like Ziyech or Araujo. But, yeah, it's going to be an interesting window for sure. And it's going to be even more interesting to see how these moves play out for the clubs and for the players. But we'll move on to the actual football. So let's do that. And I forgot to mention our biggest takeaways at the top of the show, so might as well do them right now. So who wants to go first? I'll get mine out of the way real quick. Mine was that uh, Barca and Real Madrid got drawn with each other for Copa del Rey, so that means that they're going to have, I think, I believe it's three Clásicos within 36 days. I'm not sure, but either way, we get three more Clásicos this season instead of the regular one. Damn, Daniel. That's what's up. An extra Clásico. That's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. My biggest takeaway is that Newcastle, they finally done it. They finally, well, I mean, they haven't won it, right? But they got to their first final in, what is it, 30, not 30, 24 years, I think it is. I think their last final was in 1999, and they just reached the final for the EFL Cup, which is nice. This Newcastle team's on fire. Yeah, man, we're definitely going to talk about them a little bit because... There's no Premier League, so might as well just start with the FA and EFL Cup. But not before I give my takeaway, which kind of ties in all ni- nicely with all of this transfer talk. But I'm not sure if you all saw this, but apparently UEFA is introducing a new rule uh, beginning 2024. Where, and this honestly stemmed from Todd Bowley's baseball contracts at Chelsea. But you know, the new rule is now that players will not be able to sign contracts longer than five years because. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the way a transfer fee works is that, say you pay $100 million for a player, you don't pay that $100 million up front. You pay that with 
out the length of the contract. So say you sign a player for 100 mil for 10 years, you're going to basically end up paying $10 million a year until it's paid off. And a lot of teams have exploited this to, you know, Mudrik, the classic case, the most recent case, uh, eight-year contract for $100 million. So it just ends up how these teams can kind of, I guess, cheat the system a little bit. But no, UEFA said we're not having that anymore. You can't sign any player for longer than five years now. So kudos to them. Uh, that's good to see. And hopefully we see a bit of a reduction in the transfer market. So hopefully it's not as inflated. And hopefully we start seeing some more normal transfer fees. But yeah, that's mine. And although you mentioned the... Dang, it's the it's the Carabao Cup, right? The EFL Cup? The one that Newcastle made the final in? Uh, yes, I believe so. All right. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're most likely going to play United. That second leg is tomorrow. But, I mean, come on. They won the first one 3-0. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to end... A, a title drought for one of these teams. Uh, Newcastle has obviously been in drought for way longer than United, but man, don't get me wrong. I love how United's playing this season, but I'd much rather see Newcastle get a trophy. Yeah, same. I'd rather see Newcastle get a trophy. <laughs> you know, fuck y'all. Y'all are just haters. That's what you are. But, no, nah, I mean, you never know. Forrest can turn around on United. Um, Kaylor Navas with a world-class performance. Nah, he's not going to play tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> They might, they might throw him in, bro. I think yeah, the starting goalie's out for six weeks, isn't he? I think so. Yeah, they might say fuck it, you know? Yeah. Because he gets injured, too. Um, it's a Henderson. And he's out. Oh, yeah, he can't play against United. That's right. They have that clause. See, but if United wins it, it's a Mickey Mouse trophy anyways. No one cares about the Carabao Cup. Um, I do right now, actually, so. That's why y'all are a small club. Nah, no, playing. Just wait, just wait. Just wait till, when is it? February? The Europa League's coming back soon. Bro, I'm scared. We lost Dembele's out injured. I'm scared. Yo, bet. We still got a good team, you know. But... You want to put some money on that game, Aldo? What's that? You want to put some money on that game? We'll see. We'll talk about it like the, the day before the game. All right, all right, all right. Aldo. So... Because what, what are like, Casemiro gets injured. All right, so Carabao Cup. I think the FA Cup is a bit more exciting right now just because there's more teams in it. And honestly, there were some good matches this week, or this past week. One of which was City versus Arsenal. Obviously, the two tip, the two best teams in England right now. Uh, City, they got a narrow 1-0 win in this game. But my question is, do y'all think this is any indication of how the rest of the league or season will go for City versus Arsenal? You guys think this can kind of prove and close the gap between the two in the Prem? I'm going to say no, because I always feel like teams, especially these two, especially Arsenal that are in a title race, I don't feel like they ever truly try their hardest in cup games. That's what I truly feel. I could be wrong, but I truly feel they never give it their own in cup games. I feel like lower league teams do because they have something to prove and, you know, whatnot. I don't think these teams ever do. And, I mean, if you look at the starting lineups, come on, dude. I mean, what was it? Bob Holding starting for Arsenal? It's crazy. If they were actually playing for real, I don't think, you know, it would probably be their usual lineup of Saliba, Gabriel, and Ben White. But, I mean, look, they had Fabio Vieira, who doesn't usually play starting. Tierney, who's not usually starting. Turner usually doesn't start. Lando Trossard doesn't start. But he's not to say not to say any of these players are bad. They're just not the usual. I mean, you look at City. They started 
they, I mean, no, they started, they have such a good squad, you know, they started a good team. There's not really, it's not their goalie, Ortega, back up. To, I mean, besides that back three of, well, back four of Rico Lewis, John Stones, Akanji, Ake, Rodri, De Bruyne, Guntagan, Mars, Lewis, I mean, I think, no, I, do, I don't think so. I don't know why I'm rambling on, but yeah, I don't think so. I don't think it is. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty even match stats-wise. And yeah, but it was, you know, more so, lesser lesser so the A teams for both teams. I'd say like, you know, a B-plus B team for both sides. But now the one thing I want to take away from this, and this kind of ties into the Jao Cancelo transfer. Uh, obviously, he didn't start this game. Jao Cancelo, who I don't think he started a game since the World Cup break. But no, I saw this video this past weekend where it basically explains how Pep is trying to implement this new system where, yes, on paper it looks like a back four, but I think more so um, Rico Lewis is stepping into midfield and, you know, the back three can, which is pretty much all center backs that can play outside backs. But it's pretty much a back three and they add a midfielder to it just to solely accommodate for Holland. And obviously, I think Kyle Walker's out injured right now. No, he's not. He came on the bench or came on off the bench. He's coming back from injury. Yeah, but Cancelo... You know that just this this new system to accommodate for Holland basically leaves no room for him in the starting lineup, and which I think is pretty bizarre because honestly, even when he was playing right back or left back, he would slot into the midfield so nicely and just honestly play like a midfielder. Kind of remind me of uh, the days of prime Benjamin Mendy. We're not going to mention him at all this, on this podcast, but you know, on his prime days. He would step into midfield and play more so as a midfielder, and that would allow the wingers to get wide. But, yeah, this new system changed for Pep. It's pretty much to accommodate for Holland. We've talked about this on this podcast because uh, he pretty much has to transition to having a focal point right now, and he's not getting enough service. So you add an extra player in the midfield to provide that service, and that comes at the cost of Cancelo. So I thought that was interesting. Have you guys seen that narrative or even heard about those talks? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what they did in the early days of when Cancelo, you know, when they were struggling with left back because of so many reasons, you know, and they put Cancelo there. Uh, that, that's what Cancelo would have to do. Remember, he freaking um, left back or right back, didn't matter. He'd often drift into the midfield, leaving the back three, making like that double pivot with Rodri, and he played. That's, that's remember, I think that's how he started and where we, the conversation started. Like, is this guy the best? back in the world and then you know slowly you know he went back to normal i think he drifted out that system now he's back in i think it's kind of what barca tries to do it's like with shabby i watched his tactical master master class on youtube and this is what he likes to do it's like he likes one of the fullbacks usually the left back because you know we don't really have a proper right back but whether it be baldo or alba he likes them to drift into that midfield to kind of you know play that double pivot. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting idea. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, and it's been a staple for Peps, specifically as left backs for years now, because I think the first time this ever happened was when they had a, they had an injury. I think it was because of Mendy. Mendy got injured, and Fabian Delph, <laughs> he was a midfielder that had to step into the left back, but he played that position so well, and that was because he would drift into midfield, and then we saw that with... Mendy, when he was fit, uh, Zinchenko was really good at that last season. We saw it with Cancelo, and yeah, I guess now Pep's just trying to abandon that. Or I don't know, Rico Lewis has been promising. He's been playing well, so maybe he he obviously has a lot of faith in him. 
given the fact that he loans out Cancelo. So, yeah, maybe that's the future, but I guess we'll wait and see. Um, also, FA Cup, Spurs and United, they got easy wins in their games. Y'all see Casemiro's performance? <laughs> and I know it was against, no. you know, bro, that man balled out. Oh, do you see that? Of course, man. I curse the side that. That was top notch. I mean, uh, give some credit to Anthony as well. He did really well that game. Uh, he got the assist for Casemiro's first goal. So, but yeah, no. it was just a Brazilian night, you know. Bro, I've hated Casemiro for the longest time because of his ability to rip those shots from long distance. I'll never forget that goal in the UCL final versus Juve when he broke the deadlock. Oh, yeah, the volley? Yeah, that bastard. Anyways. Yeah, that was insane. Uh, the last FA Cup one I want to touch on, Brighton. Bro, what the hell's going on with Liverpool? <laughs> like, credit to Brighton and Matoma and all their players, but no, nah, what the hell's going on with Liverpool? They're out of the FA Cup, out of the Carabao Cup, ninth in the Premier League, and they're facing a team that they've never beaten in the Champions League knockout stage, which is Real Madrid. I mean, is it safe to say this season, their season's a disaster? Bro, well, it's been a disaster. <laughs> I mean, I think I was still holding on hope that, you know, maybe they pull it back, you know, because I just always believed it. It's it's a disaster. I don't. I think the only thing that could possibly save it is maybe winning the Champions League. And if they don't win the Champions League, then I think it'd be qualifying for Europe. Because otherwise, this is just a failure. You know, you, you know, Liverpool operates on a tight budget too, so they don't qualify for Champions League. They're probably gonna. They're not gonna have to sell anyone, but you know, it's like on this their summer transfer windows can be as boring as all the other transfer windows. You know, and most. Most of their, what's it called, fans were hoping for more reinforcements in the summer, but it's not looking that way. It's looking awful. Yeah, I gotta, gotta agree there. It's not looking good for them right now. Um, hopefully it gets better soon, you know, for everyone involved. But yeah, they're just not, not hit, hitting the mark right now. Bro, me, Toma, what a freaking goal. Y'all see that? Dude, yeah. What, what a, a play. Brighton found another one, it seems. Another guy that's going to go for over $50 million in the summer. And they saw him. Yeah. All right. So that's FA Cup and Carabao Cup. Premier League resumes to action this weekend, so that'll be nice. So let's move on to another league. What do y'all want to go to? Let's get the Bundesliga out the way, right? Bro, Boon, what do you mean I'm... get the Bundesliga out the way? That's one of the most entertaining <laughs> well, leagues that... right now. Are well, you not kidding? out the way, but I meant like I want to talk about how Bayern's struggling. That's what I meant. Bro, Bayern. Their third draw in a freaking row, man, to, to uh, who was it? It was against Frankfurt, right? Eintracht Frankfurt? Yeah. Polomwani, dude, what a player for Eintracht, dude. And they got him on three, too. What a player. What a signing he was. Bro, that man is, uh, he's the equivalent to Bayern, to what, uh, what was that one player that always scores against Barca that pisses us off? Freaking, uh. Yago Aspas. Oh, Yago Aspas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that man has a personal vendetta against Bayern, I swear. But anyways, yeah, Bayern, their third straight draw in a row since the Bundesliga resumed action since the World Cup. Um, but yeah, dude, this blows the Bundesliga wide open because uh, everyone that's below Bayern in the table got a win this week. That was Berlin, Leipzig, Dortmund, and Freiburg. And only five points now separate first through six. That's insane, bro. But... Honestly, I was pretty excited about the Bundesliga, but then after the Jao Cancelo news came out today, I was like, nah, there's no chance Bayern is losing it. Yeah, it just seems like Bayern's trying to make this competition. Bayern's trying to make it interesting for them. I know, but yeah, bro, I don't know. Bro, I don't know what's wrong with Bayern. 
is, uh, what's wrong with is Union Berlin still in like second or third? Yeah, they're one point behind them. <laughs> Bro, check this out. Bayern has 37, Berlin has 36, Leipzig has 35, Dortmund and Freiburg have 34. Yo, uh, did, it, did Haller play for Dortmund? Yes, sir. He started, I think. How, how did he do on on his way back? Yeah, he started, but you know, he's slowly easing his way back into the squad. Bro, and Dortmund, they they got their players come back to full fitness. You know, Marco Royce is coming back from injury. So is um uh what's the uh-huh. center back's name? Came from Bayern. Hummels. Hummels. Yeah, well, he, he's originally for Dortmund, isn't he? Yeah, he plays with Dortmund. Yeah. So yeah, Dortmund, they could be on the up too. Gio Reyna's on real good form right now. Adeyemi, it seems like he's scoring every single game. Gio Reyna, didn't he score like? The winner in back-to-back games, the last-minute winner. Yeah, bro, that's insane. Freaking Ring. They got 33-year-old Yusuf Makoko coming up. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but... Uh, about it. Yo, real quick, I want to touch on Bayern. So Bayern has the potential... Dude, this is insane. They got Jan Sommer, who is a great goalkeeper, but they got the potential to line up a back four of Davies, Cancelo, Delict, and Upamecano. And honestly... Y'all really think they need a Cancelo? I mean, if you're going to go out and get someone, I have no problem with it. But, I mean, left back, they got Davis. They got Lucas Hernandez. Right back, they got uh, Marzawi, Benjamin Pavard. They just, I feel like that's the one place, Daily Blind, who just went there. That's the one area oh, yeah. where I feel like they really didn't need reinforcement. I think they did because, what's his name? Masarawi's injured for a bit. Lucas Hernandez is injured. So it's really only Davies and Blind for left back, and then right back. It's the only natural right back is really Ancelo because Pavardi's also a makeshift right back too, and you know he hasn't exactly been. Um, so he wants to leave Bayern. He's already said he doesn't want to renew and whatnot. So you know, Pavard. Oh shit. Yeah. So he's not. He's not. So I think this was actually a good move. I mean, Barca wanted him too a bit. Bayern just moves quicker. I think this was a good move by Bayern, you know? There's no, I don't think there's no such thing as too much stuff. I don't know, dude. Uh, Bayern, though, Kia, Chelsea. Hoarding all these world-class players. But anyways, yeah, I mean, that's that's a Bundesliga. It's a, it's, this is this is what Serie A was last year, bro. I'd love to see it. We go Serie A now. I mean, Serie yeah, A looks well. like... What is it? What was it? Um, Bro, the Bundesliga Serie A from last season and the Serie A is the Bundesliga from the past season as well. Napoli just yeah, running away with Napoli it. Napoli had 13 points ahead and then Milan, they're just on a downfall. But they, they lost like 5-2 to, was it Lazio or something? No, they Sassuolo. lost 4-0 to Lazio. They lost 5-2 to Sassuolo. It's just, I don't know what's going on at Milan. It's just... I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with Milan. They just look like they're mentally not there. And then Inter's there at second place now with 40 points. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Milan, they got some injuries right now. And they're also pretty unlucky with two offside goals, one of which was the opener. So, you know, that goes in, that counts, that turns the table, and this can be a completely different game that we're talking about. But, no, I mean, they got injuries to Tamori, their best center back. Benacer, who's arguably their best center back. Obviously, their goalkeeper... Uh, Mike Mion is uh Donali. He's fit, right? He's starting. I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he is. I think he's. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe he, he needs a player like Benison in the midfield to help him out. But yeah, Milan, not looking too good. Are they, They're still in third or fourth place, right? Oh, never mind. They're in fifth. <laughs> Damn. I mean, you go to the other side of Milan, you mentioned Inter. Bro, they barely beat Cremonense. Barely. That Johan Vasquez effect. Cremonense, they got uh, Bakayoko this past window as well, so hopefully that can help him out. But yeah, Martinez, Lautaro Martinez, he gets his, uh, what is it, 10th and 11 goal of the season. So he's third in the Serie A right now for the top goal score. Pretty cool to see. Yeah, I mean, the Inter's in a crisis too. Supposedly, I read something that said they don't have any money. That they can't make any transfer or nothing. So they're going to be on a struggling. I think they're going to have to sell in the summer to be able to do anything really i don't know and who'd they just lose to psg was it screenier or devry screenier yeah he Ooh. went on a, he agreed on peak pre-contract they were hoping to get 20 million for him but psg was only offering 10 plus 5 and add-ons and they said no so i mean on one hand i understand because you know you're fighting for what is a tight european spot so i mean between Roma and Inter, which is Roma's in sixth, which is the last spot to qualify for Europe, um, and Inter in second, there there's only a three-point difference. I mean, I can understand why they want to keep him, but at the same time, it's like, you need money. So it's like, it's like I don't know, I guess it's just whatever they, they thought would help them more, which I guess is screening out for six months to qualify for Europe rather than a quick 10, possibly more million. Yeah. What else happened? Atalanta, bro. Atalanta's on a real good run of form right now. They won 2-0. They're fourth in Serie A, only two points behind second place center. So that's a team to look out for. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if we before we go to uh, Napoli, I think we should mention Juve. Their bad couple of weeks gets even worse. Bro, they lost to, they lost to who? It's not a relegation team, but it's like mid-table team Monza. 2-0, man. That's just embarrassing. They dropped on 13th. <laughs> Damn, bro. Bro, and their whole squad is fit. Well, not their whole, not their entire squad, but, you know, they got their crucial players are fit. So, yeah, there's no excuse for that, bro. There's no excuse to lose at home to Monza. So, Juve's in the mud. Yeah, you see what's going on with Roma, though? About Saniolo? His name? Yeah, Saniolo that he wanted to leave. Did you see the quote Mourinho came out with? He's like, unfortunately for him, he has to stay here. Oh, it's yeah. crazy because Bournemouth came savage. and offered. Uh, Bournemouth came and offered. Uh, Roma accepted, and Saniolo said no because I think the other AC Milan had offered, but not close to what Bournemouth had offered. So he said, "I'm not going to Bournemouth." And then I think it was today or yesterday he tried to go back and say he would leave to Bournemouth, but Bournemouth said no, and they pulled out. <laughs> It's not been good for him because then I guess some of um, Roma ultras went and chased him. Well, not chased him. I guess they found him at his house and he had to be evacuated and leave the city. So it's just not good. Good times for him. Not good times for him. No, nah, man. And this comes at such a, at such the wrong timing because I don't know if you guys know this, but actually Roma, they've been the best team in Serie A since the resumption of the league. They've accumulated the most points and they've uh, stat wise just been the best team. And they came up against the best team, literally in Serie A, and arguably Europe right now, Napoli. And yeah, Napoli, they squeaked out the 2-1 win. Bro, what a game. Y'all see this? Y'all get a chance to see this? Damn. I did not, unfortunately. Well, let me tell y'all what happened. 
Roma, as I mentioned, they're the best team in Serie A since the World Cup break. Dude, the, the, first of all, the opening goal by Victor Ossiman. Y'all get a chance to see that? Oh, I think I did see that one. It was like a volley, wasn't it? Bro, yeah, it was, re- it was really similar to uh, the Mitoma goal for, for Brighton versus Liverpool. Really similar. Just, bro, for me, this solidifies it. This man is world class. This is one of the best strikers in Europe right now, and he's going to come at a real high fee if any club wants to come in for him in the summer. But, yeah, I would say, like, at least top five strikers in the world right now, maybe top three. So, really good performance by him. Um, Roma, they clawed their way back to get it within one. Uh, What else? Oh, dude, this pissed me off. Chuki, he had, like, a three-on-two attack (laughs) and a counterattack. And so you mentioned this before with Chucky Lozano. He's really selfish, man. He could have squared it to a player on his left or his right, but he just decided to take a shot, and it was off balance and right at the goalkeeper. <laughs> so that pissed me off. But um, no, that didn't really matter because uh, Giovanni Simeone, who's been a great player for Napoli since joining that team, such a clutch player, got the winner. And I think like the 86th minute, something, something like that. Not too late, but yeah. Napoli, bro, they've been uh, the best team in Serie A. Arguably the best team in Europe. Would y'all would y'all say they're the best team in Europe? They proved it in the Champions League and Serie A. I'd say they're like top three at least. Yeah, I think so. I think a match between them and Arsenal would be really interesting in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to give it more to Napoli, just because you know we talked about how many how many of their key players they lost last season and the way their their recruitment was you know, on point this season and how they're doing this season. So for me, it's Napoli over Arsenal. But regardless, both of them are doing really great. Yeah, that's a little sneak peek into a new segment we're going to introduce here on 1960 Pod next week. So y'all stay tuned for that. But now it was a great week for City Odd, dude. Uh, Ossiman and Lukman, they got another goal to add to their tally. So that race is still heating up. Lautaro Martinez, as I mentioned earlier, he's, he's getting in there. And... Ex-West Ham wonder kid, Marco Natovic, he's also surprisingly up there. But, yeah, that's City A. Y'all want to say anything else or should we move on? I'm going to move on. All right, where should we go to next? So we get League On out of the way. League On, bro. Another week, another disappointing week for PSG, bro. Did they drop points again? Yeah, they did. Yeah, 1-1. One, one. I think bro. Neymar got a red card, too. Did he? Yeah, no, Verratti, Verratti got it. Oh, yeah, that dumbass. Bro, I want to talk about that. Yeah, but first of all, 1-1 draw at home to 11th place Rens. I mean, that's insane. I think that's their second draw in a row. 11th, 11th place for Rens? Dude, they're fifth. Yeah, dude. Or they might have been in 11th place before the game. No? Well, I, I don't know. I just got one word to describe all that, y'all. Nice. Yeah. Oh no, you're right. I was looking at Ron's Ren's. You're saying Ring. I don't know how to pronounce it. They're similar. Yeah, bro. Lucky for PSG Lens, they also drew with 15 place throwings, which I don't even know what's more or less disappointing. But yeah, so they still remain three points behind PSG, only two points ahead of Marseille. Marseille, bro, they're on the up too. They can easily catch up to the rest of the pack. But yeah, I mean. Talking a little bit, a little bit about PSG. Uh, I don't know. I think ever since they resumed action from the World Cup and they went back to the back four instead of you know that back three or back five, whatever they were doing before, that's for me really been the nail in the coffin. Because for me, Sergio Ramos, great player, 
but I think he's just too defensively suspect in a back four now. I think he, I think to accommodate for him, he has to be in a back three, shielded by you know Marquinhos or Pereira or Kimpembe or whoever. But yeah, I think he's just not fit for a back four anymore. Yeah. Well, I was gonna ask, so do y'all think? To me, well, not me, but I just seen so much stuff about Messi, and it seems like he kind of doesn't care anymore. You know, it's kind of like he won the World Cup, he accomplished what he wanted throughout his whole career. He, well, he's pretty much accomplished everything he's wanted to in his footballing career, and like, because people were talking about like he posted pictures on Instagram that he was on vacation and stuff, and it's like, like to me, it really seems like he doesn't care that much anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. His heart's not really in it any, anymore at Paris. Yeah. It's just, it's weird, you know, because, I mean, we the Champions like, League comes around. Yeah, maybe he only cares about the Champions League now, but, yeah, because I remember, I remember I said, I think said last week that it came out that he was not going to renew with PSG, and then people were like, oh, it's almost done, just a few details, and you know, and you know what, it's a week later, and he still hasn't signed, but yeah. according to all the sources, it's super close, it's almost done. You know, I mentioned the defense being a problem for PSG. I also thought them missing Marco Verratti was a big problem, but nah, bro, this guy comes back from injury in his first game. What does this dumbass do? Gets sent off after 14 minutes of being subbed on. Oh, man. Do they get anyone else besides um, Ziyech in this window? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, they might win Ligong. They might not. They... <laughs> I think it's even harder to win the champions in the league this season, which it is every year. But, I mean, they're up against Bayern in the round of 16. Dude, Bayern, they're just going to be a whole different animal with Jal Cancelo, honestly. So, yeah, if I was PSG, I'd be real worried about that. I mean, it's going to be really depend if they know how to use Cancelo. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because I think he has to be in the right system. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll see. All right. So that leaves only one league, La Liga. What went on this week? Bro, Barca, they, I feel like their last three games have all been the same. You feel that way, Saul? Yeah, all three, the, all three of their last games have been one now. And Pedri has scored in two of, those, <laughs> two of those games. I mean, it just shows that we're really defensively solid more than anything. <laughs> I mean... We're, like, we're kind of playing like Prime Mourinho's Chelsea, you know? One scraping out one nil wins. Yeah. Or Ancelotti's Madrid from last season? No, Ancelotti's Madrid was known for comebacks. They weren't known for oh, yeah, scrapey right. wins. But yeah, with that win, Barca, they go five points ahead of Real Madrid after their uh, draw to Sociedad. Did you see that game? Dude, dude yeah, the Sociedad's keeper saved them. Like, just unlucky for the Madrid forwards. I mean, Vinicius missed, like, I think one or two one-on-ones. It's same with Benzema. It's just their keeper was making just decided no. It was just like no today he won't score on me, and that's what happened. Oh yeah, I mean now that we're on La Liga, we got another coach fired. Um, we didn't. I'm not saying we did. But, uh, Valencia. They parted ways with Gattuso. I don't think. I think they named an interim coach, but I don't think they named a permanent one. But, you know, they started off the season real good. I think they were. Fighting for European places, and then they just went downhill. And yeah, now they sit in 14th place, 20 points. Looks like they're going to be in a relegation battle. Yeah, we we mentioned this off the pod before we started recording, but 
Dembele. Did he get? In, he got injured in this past game, right? Versus Genoa. Yeah. Yo, is that gonna? <laughs> is that gonna hurt Barca in the long run? In the long run, you think? I mean, it would have. I mean, we're getting Ferran Torres and Lewandowski back from suspension. So I mean, Rafinha's gonna have to really step it up. You know, he's gonna be that right winger now. It's his preferred position. He said it multiple times, so he's gonna have to step up a bit. But I think it might because Dembele is just a. He's like, to me, he's like messy in the sense that you know he's just that that um, that wild card. You know, it's just like. You know, he's not as good as Messi, but he's just that wild card because he just. You don't know what he, he's going to do. Like, he's capable of so much that, you know, he always keeps you on your toes. So, yeah. I mean, I think it will hurt them, you know. I think the creativity will definitely go down because, you know, most teams, when they play, they always, like, double, triple team Bambella. So now it's like we don't have to really worry about that because none of our other wingers are really as dangerous as Bambella, which sucks. I think it will definitely hurt us. And especially because it was said he was going to be out three to four weeks. But now it looks like they're saying it's four or five weeks, maybe more. Yeah, you know, one thing that really got to me, not only watching this uh, Barca-Genoa game, but the midweek game in the Copa del Rey versus Sociedad, it's uh, the fact that horizontal passing is killing Barcelona right now, dude. Do you? I don't know if you see this, but I've been watching the All or Nothing series on Arsenal, on Amazon, and... Arteta, he made this great point of how he hates horizontal passing from fullbacks to wingers because once they receive the ball, their, their backs turn to goal. They can't do anything. They turn around uh, the defenders there. So he makes it a staple in his system to pass vertically. And I know it's kind of hard to imagine what I'm trying to say right now, but you know, basically at an angle in which the winger can receive the ball and kind of turn and still have a look on goal and not have a defender, you know, glued to his back. But I know Xavi really likes to keep his wingers really wide, and more often than not, they pass horizontally, and they're hugging that sideline, and there's nowhere near goal. And they're... Dembele was the exception because he's just so good at dribbling that he can get around a defender. But, you know, I, I don't have that much faith in other wingers like uh, Ferran Torres or Rafinha. I guess more so Rafinha and Fatih, but... I don't know. At that horizontal passing, it's 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 killing Barca because, again, Xavi likes to keep his wingers as wide as possible, and sometimes that can be a huge detriment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Barca just—I know it's the Barca way, but they just do too much passing. I mean, I've talked about passing. I don't want to go on a rant, but they just do too much passing, anyways. You know, instead of shooting like from long distance, you know, it's just like they prefer to pass, which annoys me a bit. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what do you think the front three should be now? Because it's definitely Lewandowski now that he's back. So what do you think? I mean, right winger most definitely is going to be Rafinha. I'd say I'd say the front three is going to be Fatih, left wing, Lewandowski, uh, the forward, I mean the center forward, and then Rafinha, right winger. But what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's probably my preferred yeah. front three, but... I have this feeling, this sneaking suspicion that Xavi is going to start Gavi as uh, just have an extra midfielder like he did against Madrid in the Supercopa final. Yeah, I don't I don't agree with that. I mean, as someone, as someone else in it, he's like, starting Gavi off left, as left winger is should be under certain circumstances. Like, if you do it for every game, there's no point. But you know, versus 
Real Madrid, it made sense because they were missing Char many, which meant they weren't going to be able to control the midfield as much. So it's like you need a. So it's like it makes sense to overload that midfield. But, you know, versus other teams, like versus who was it? Who we play? We played someone else when Gabby started left wing, and I was just like, it makes. Sense. I think this game after Gabella got injured, moved Gabby to left wing or left mid, whatever. It just makes no sense. You know, we didn't look as good because it's like Sociedad was ready for it. It's like they kind of knew what to do, so it makes no sense. It's like it should be only under certain circumstances, but it shouldn't be something we do regularly. It's like as long as we have wingers, you know, they're not good, but it's like we should be playing them like Ron and Papi. Yeah. Yeah. I've also heard rumors. I don't know how true these are, but they're going to recall... Is Abde from his loan just because of the Dembele injury? Well, they tried to, but also Asuna said no. Damn. I mean, no, you're right. You got a point. If you have, we we have this much step for a reason, and you got if you have wingers, you might as well play them. But yeah, and now we have a couple, you know, promising guys coming through La Masia. So oh, it just feel like starting Gabi at left wing when we have natural wingers over complicates things like. Like yeah. I said, it's circumstantial. Like, it should be under certain circumstances that we should start it. So, yeah, guys, as always, thanks for listening this week. We hope to have entertained you with uh, everything we talked about, especially the transfer window. And, yeah, we're looking forward to see what the transfers made in this window are going to have any implication or changes in the league. So look out for that. And make sure you follow us on Twitter and TikTok at 90and60pod. And we have a... I guess a new segment we're going to introduce next week, so look out for that. And forgot to mention this, but yeah, no Premier League pick'em this week because the ones we did for last week are actually the ones being played this upcoming weekend. So if y'all want to hear predictions on that, just check out last week's episode. And that's it for us. We'll see you on the next one. Adios. Adios.